Thank you, Rachel, for doing the scripture reading for us. As uh, those of you who've been joining us the last few weeks, we are wrapping up our sermon series on the three circles. And uh, last few weeks, we've been spending uh, concentrated time on each one of these circles. This is a simple uh, method, one of the many methods to share the gospel. And uh, the whole goal of this sermon series is to prepare you to bring the gospel to whether to the, your family, to your friends, to your uh, coworkers, classmates, and even one day, maybe God will call you to go to the ends of the earth, uh, places like Vietnam and many unreached people who have yet to hear about the good news of Jesus. And so that's kind of the purpose for us for going through this sermon series. And uh, today, uh, last few weeks, we started talking about the gospel did not start where sin started. Most of us, when we think of the gospel, we think sin, you need Jesus, salvation. But in reality, the scripture tells us there is a, there's something better. That God had designed you and me uh, of all the creation to be in his, to be made in his own image. And as a result of that, God has perfect plan and design for your life and my life to interact with God, to interact with one another, to interact with all of other creations. And just what we see is that we turn away from God. Sin entered into our lives through Adam and Eve. And we have this propensity, this nature, that natural desire to run away from God. We talked about last week how sin is more than just your behavior. It is really a a, a hard posture saying that I know better than God. And at any moment we feel that way, we believe in that, we live that way, we are running away from God and the result of our sin uh, bring forth brokenness. Again, we don't have to go very far to see the brokenness are happening around, around us in this country, in our city, in our world, uh, at times in our own lives, in our family. And oftentimes when brokenness happens, we are scrambling to find ways to fix that brokenness. For some of us, maybe we escape through entertainment. Or some of us, we're trying to escape brokenness through money, escape brokenness through relationship, uh, escape brokenness through status. But at the end of the day, we saw that none of those things would, would, would resolve uh, our brokenness because our lives are made for a design by God. And our lives are made in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that we are made for eternity to have a loving, loving relationship with God. And today we're going to move to the last circle, which is really the, the, the solution to our brokenness and the, how can we return back to God's design, God's perfect design in our lives to be reunited with him, reconciled with him in spite of our sins. And one of the things I, when I think of the word gospel, the, the phrase that comes up time and time again, even as we were singing earlier, was this phrase, but God. When I think of the gospel, the phrase, but God often comes up in my life, in my heart, in my head, because you look at the first two circles, if God didn't do anything to intervene, we would continue to stay in brokenness. But the good news, the gospel is good is because God chose to do something else. God chose to provide a way in spite of who we were, who we are in our sins. God showed his love for us. And so today we're going to talk about the gospel. Um, if you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, last week we started there. I want to make a note here because uh, we I, I mentioned that, you know, you can basically break down the whole Bible into several episodes. 
the story of the God of the God story of God in the Bible. You can break it in chapter one, God's perfect design, chapter two, um, uh, chapter one and two, God's perfect design, chapter three. Last week we saw is brokenness and sin enter into our lives. And for the rest of it until Revelation will be will be when Christ returned. But every single book in between of that was God pursued of his creation, his fallen creation, like me, like you. And I want to turn our attention to Genesis chapter 3 on the screen here. Here's what it says in chapter 3. After last week, we read how God pronounced judgment on both Adam, Eve, and the serpent. And one thing I alluded to last week was really important. I want to bring that up again for us. Is this. In chapter 3, verse 15, you hear God uh, announcing uh, judgment upon uh, the serpent, namely Satan himself. And look at what it says. I will put enmity, meaning uh, animosity. Uh, you go, it will become enemy between you, the serpent, the, uh, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And notice what it says. He will, the offspring of the woman, will shall bruise Satan's head. Meaning the, the offspring of the woman will kill the head, uh, will, will cut off the head, will kill, will destroy the head of the serpent, namely Satan. And you, meaning the serpent, will bruise his heel, but not killing him, will bruise his heel. Here is a picture of what God is intending to do. In the midst of, here's the missus, in the midst of pronouncing judgment, God is preparing a way. One day, future tense will, God has prepared and initiated a plan of redemption, redeeming broken people like Adam and Eve, like you and I. God has started a plan and say one day in the future, an offspring of, of the woman. And as we know later on, it is Jesus himself, the Messiah, born of a woman, a virgin birth from heaven to earth, 100% man, 100% God came to die. And on that cross and through resurrection, bruised the head of the serpent. Have victory over death, a victory over the serpent. And here in chapter three, we saw this beautiful picture of what will happen. And for us, what has already happened when we look at the cross. But as we continue to see in chapter three, not only did God just provide a future um, redemption, a future solution for our brokenness, actually right there at the Garden of Eden, God provided something for Adam and Eve. And I don't want you to miss this because sometimes we think of uh, redemption with something of salvation, something far away. But God in that moment, pronouncing judgment on Adam and Eve, even right there, God provided a temporary and incomplete, a temporary salvation for them look at chapter 3 verse 21 god continue on interacted with adam and eve after pronouncing judgment on them and verse 21 it says this and the lord god made for adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them so not only did god say i will one day have my son to die and crush satan so that i can bring you back in salvation god did something more god said right now adam and Eve, because you said i'm going to provide a temporary way for you to experience salvation one reason why i highlighted the garments of skin is because i want you to think about how can god create a garment of skin obviously he could say a word he can say a word and it would be made but more likely, 
in order to get a skin from an animal, what do you think needs to happen? That animal needed to be what? Killed. That animal needed to be what? Sacrificed. In covering over their sin, God installed this beautiful picture, a a foreshadowing of what will happen later on, as he said this, his son will do. To become a sacrifice, to cover over up our shame, to be a sacrifice, to cover up over our, 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 our guilt. This word proto-evangelium is a, is, is, a, is a Latin word that talks about it is the first sign of the gospel. Proto means first, euangelium means good news, the gospel. When you think of the gospel, I would, I would bet many of us will point directly to the New Testament. But actually, the first gospel, this first shape of the God, first sign, first uh, taste of the gospel happened right there in Genesis chapter 3. We don't have to wait. Through, people often wonder, why should we read the Old Testament? The reason why we need to read the Old Testament is because the Old Testament is just as much about the gospel of Jesus as it is in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 3, we already saw God's plan of redemption uh, and providing salvation for broken and fallen people like me and like you already in place. Already the engine has started. Yes, one day Jesus will come as we read from the scripture, from the gospel. One day, yes, he will come and, and defeat Satan. But God already started that plan the moment when sin entered into the world. This is why when you go to Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 10, we see this picture, put it back together. Yes, Jesus, uh, yeah, God promised that one day he, uh, the, the, the offspring of the woman will crush or bruise the head of Satan. And then, and then also providing a temporary sacrifice um, for, to cover up the sins of Adam and Eve. And here we see Jesus is that answer. The author of Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, Put those two pictures together and said, you, you know what you're looking for? That final fulfillment, final consummation of redemption, salvation for lies in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. And I want you to notice how it is no longer, Jesus is no longer the, the temporary solution, but he is the eternal solution for our brokenness. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 says, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, his own life, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. And for by a single offering, Jesus had perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So Jesus on his death and resurrection accomplished once and for all the most perfect sacrifice needed to cover over your sin and my sin. And when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is central to that message. That is central to that good news. So as we talk about God's perfect design, as we talk about God's uh, perfect design, our sins that leads to brokenness. 
the one thing that both God have promised and delivered through the person of Jesus Christ on the on the cross, the death on the, on the his death on the cross and his resurrection. That is the central message of what the gospel is. And for many of you who grew up at church, I think it is sometimes difficult for us when we think of the gospel, not because it's difficult to explain, but it is so simple that we felt like we've heard it a thousand times. But one of the beauty of the gospel is simply that the gospel can be understood by even illiterate person. People who have no knowledge of written language, can have no education. The The simplicity of the gospel of what Jesus has done for us could be understood for, for a young person as well as an old person from an illiterate person to a, a PhD. The gospel is the central message for in the entire Bible. Try it out for the rest of your life. Make it a point to tie in every single one of the book of the Bible, all 66 of them, tie it back to the good news of Jesus. Because the purpose of this book is, the purpose of the Bible is to provide, is to point to Jesus and what Jesus had done. Remember, from Genesis chapter 4 all the way to the before Revelation, it is all about what God is doing through Jesus to provide a solution for us. See, we never graduate from the university of the gospel. As long as we are a Christian we never graduate from, from understanding the gospel. You see, the gospel is, is as elementary as ABC, like what we learn when we we're young. But the gospel is as deep as what Tim Keller referred to. It is the A to Z of our Christian faith. You, for those of you who play an instrument, you play piano, you play violin. You can play piano by just hitting a few keys. And it will be super simple and it will be a song. But we also know that. There are pianists who spend their whole life to perfect, to create music, to grow in their skills, because it is bottomless to create a piece of beautiful music that will bless the world. And the gospel is the exact same way. See, so when you and I come in and, and when we talk about the gospel, we should never think, oh, that's just what I learned when I first came to know Jesus. No. It is not an introductory class to your to your Christian faith. You might start as an introductory class, but actually for the rest of your life, you are mining the treasure and, the, and the, the truth of the gospel. Because every single day as a Christian, we need the gospel of Jesus. So now with that said, what is the gospel of Jesus? See, the gospel of Jesus simply means good news. And just like any good news, a good news needed to be shared. A good news in Psalm 96 that we need to proclaim it. We need to tell it. A good news is not meant to be kept to ourselves. Good news are meant to be passed on. Let other people know. Like the first song that we sing, we we tell the world the hope that we have, the treasure that we have. And so what is the gospel there? Like, as I said earlier, is not just the ABC of our faith. It starts there, but it's also our A to Z of our faith. And so there is a lifetime of learning of what the gospel is. But what I want to do today is help us to grasp the minimum of what the gospel is. 
And so again, earlier, some of those of you showed up earlier, I said that today we're going to do a little more interactive uh, sermon. So if you have, if you can go grab a piece of paper and grab a pen, I want to withdraw and preach along the way of what the gospel is, because the gospel are made up of four, four truth about Jesus. The gospel is more than that, but it cannot be anything less than this. There are four truths about Jesus that we need to uh, hold on to to make this gospel to be the gospel according to scripture. And the, in the passage that we, we read earlier from, from uh, by, by Rachel, and also there will be one more verse I use to help us to summarize the gospel. But what we will see also is that the gospel is not only four truth statement, but also it requires three responses. And so again, if you have your paper with you, uh, here's the first thing that we see, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first and first thing we see from the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it involves the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of, of God on this world, the kingdom of God. Many times when we think of the gospel, we do not start at this place, but yet that is the number one thing that Jesus preached when he was on earth. The first message he he preached was from Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And he said this, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The gospel starts, the good news is good news is because God actually wants to bring his perfect kingdom here on earth. Isn't that what we pray for in the Lord's prayer? Hallow be your name, your kingdom come on earth as it is in where? heaven the good news of jesus is not just about a ticket to heaven the gospel of jesus is about the kingdom of god the king jesus himself taking hold of our lives that we become a part of god's kingdom that the king jesus is reigning in your life in your heart in your schoolwork in your relationship that's what the kingdom of god is about that's what the gospel is about it is more than just a mere interaction a mere transaction of oh i believe i get to go to heaven be the gospel starts with us being in the kingdom the most perfect kingdom of god we'll temporarily be here on earth and one day we'll spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven with god and in the midst of that we are living the perfect life that we are called and created to live as making jesus as king So number one thing, one of the most fundamental thing we see from the gospel is that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the good news is that it doesn't require us to go up to heaven and find it. God himself bring his son, bring his kingdom here on earth. But here's the second thing. It's not just the kingdom of God. It is about Jesus Christ himself. Christ. Jesus Christ himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, as Rachel read for us earlier. Christ is central to the gospel of the, to the good news. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, it says is that Christ died for our sins according to the script, in accordance to scripture. It is important for us to remember that we are not saved by anything else, but by the only through the name of Jesus. John chapter 14 says, verse 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes, God has a perfect design for us, and we're broken. And the only way for us to be restored is through the person, the name of Jesus Christ. He is Jesus, by the way. Jesus Christ, the word Christ is a title, not a last name. It's not Jesus' first name, Christ's last name. But it is Christ, the anointed one, the promised one. Remember, Genesis chapter 3, we said earlier, God prepared the woman's offspring, the anointed one, in Hebrew, the Messiah. And so this is the solution that God had long promised before you and I were even born. In the moment when sin entered the world, Christ was prepared to offer himself as a sacrifice. And so in our gospel, in our understanding of gospel, we need to, we must include Christ. Without Christ, there is no gospel. Without Christ, there is no good news. It is more than just doing good work. It is more than just being nice to people. It is more than just getting people into the church. Christ is central to the gospel. So we see kingdom of God. God bringing his kingdom from heaven to earth to reach broken people, fallen people like us. He brought his son, his one and only son to come. And here's the third thing. He did not bring his son to come and judge us here on earth, but he brought his son to, to die for us. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says, Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, died for what? For your sin and my sin, in accordance with the scripture. He was buried. He was really dead. He did not just play dead. He was really, really dead. He died. He was flocked. He was crucified in the worst uh, punishment possible in the Roman Empire. So Jesus came to die for your sin and my sin, to pay for the punishment of your sin and my sin. He died so that you don't have to die anymore from uh, eternal's perspective. You will still die physically, but you will not die spiritually. And so that is crucial. Not only Jesus come and just kind of tour around the world, but Jesus came for one purpose. He said in Mark 10, 45, he came as a ransom for many. He did not come down to be served as king. And yes, he was king. But he did not come to be served, but to serve you, broken, me, sinner. To be a ransom. To be a substitute for our sin and our death. And the last statement, last truth that we see is that not only did he die, but he also was resurrected. First Corinthians 15, verse 4. He was resurrected as well. There is resurrection. Jesus did not stay dead. The beauty of the gospel is we do not worship some statue. We do not worship some idol that that require us to bring him food. We worship a God who is alive and well, that defeated sin. This is what gives us hope that we are not limited by death. Even if I die today, there will be a better life. Not not a better worldly life, but an eternal life with, with God himself. The resurrection of Jesus give us hope because not only because he was resurrected, it tells us that one day we will be resurrected as well. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4 says is that not only was he de- uh, did he die, was he buried, and that he was raised on the third day. 
in accordance with the scripture. So these are four fundamental truths and reality about Jesus. And our gospel message must be including these four things. When we share with others, we must include all four of these things. But, but a gospel is not complete, God, complete gospel if we don't respond with a, a we, if we don't share and ask people for a response. It's very interesting. I don't know if you ever noticed in every encounter that Jesus had in his healing, in his miracle, he always asked people for a response. Think about the when Jesus healed a man at the, at the healing pool. The invalid could not get in the pool. And Jesus asked him this strange question. Do you want to be healed? He demanded and asked the guy, do you want to be healed? Do you actually want, do you actually want what I'm about to give you? Think about the rich young ruler. He wanted to be, he wanted to be good. He wanted to, to be right with God. And you know what God, Jesus did? Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him for uh, the man to respond from him. Jesus tell him, go sell everything. Jesus did not just tell him what is good. Jesus demanded a response. Zacchaeus, climbing up with a tree, heard Jesus teach, and he was enamored and wanted to follow Jesus. And guess what? Jesus told him, come down the tree, and I will have to go to your house. For each instance, the person must make a choice. The person must respond to what we just talked about, those four things that we learned. That each person, when we share the gospel, we must give them an opportunity to respond to the kingdom of God, to Christ Jesus coming on earth, to die for them, and to resurrect it so that, you, that Christ can give them eternal life and living hope. And we must, in our shared gospel sharing, give them a response, an opportunity response. So what, what are the response? Here are three things that we need to ask people to respond to. The first one is simply this, that we must ask them to repent. Again, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus preached, repent and believe for the kingdom of God. And Jesus started out from the very beginning in his sharing of the gospel, calling people to repent. He's asking people to repent. He's asking people to turn around. Turn around from the old ways. Turn around and give up their old lives to get this new life in Jesus. Jesus did not tell them to just feel bad about themselves. But Jesus is telling them that you need to repent and realize what you've done, the way you live, is wrong. The fact that you think you have control over your life is wrong. The way you're trying to live out your own, make up your own design of your life is wrong, is sinful, is turning away from God. You thinking you know better about your life than God knows your life is wrong. And the first step to respond to the gospel is to repent, to say sorry to God and say, God, I no longer want to do this. And I know I've sinned against you. That's the first response that we know. We ask people to turn around. Here's the second one. In the same verse, it says this. We need to what? Believe. We need to believe the gospel. Mark chapter 115 says, repent and believe in the gospel. Believe what the four things that we just talked about. Again, those are just minimal. I'm not unpacking the whole, all of those. Each one of those truths can be a sermon, can be a book, can be volumes of book. But fundamentally, we need to ask people to believe. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus wants to be king over your life? Do you believe that Jesus is the king of your life? Do you believe that Christ is not just another thing after your life, but that Christ is your life? 
do you believe that Jesus was resurrected? And because he resurrected, you have hoped that one day you will be resurrected and live forever with God. So not only do we need to repent, but we also need to believe. We need to lead people to ask them to believe in the gospel. And then here's the third one. One that we often forget and often leave out. So we are called to follow Jesus. In just a quick few verses down in Mark chapter 1 verse 17. Right after he shared this brief gospel to people. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And immediately he met up with. He saw Peter and Andrew. And the first thing he called them to do is what? Follow me. Follow me. That is the third re- response that we need to have to the gospel. Not only do we need to say sorry to God and, and own up to us being God to ourselves and, and think that we know better than God. Not only do we need to believe in the gospel, that belief must translate into us wanting to follow God. That, uh, that we want to follow what he wants us to do. We want to follow his command not to earn a place in heaven. That we obey him because we love him. We believe that he has the best for us. One of the authors put it this way. By a name Bill Hall. He called that many of us, many gospel that we preach are not the real gospel. Because we simply preach a barcode Christianity. A barcode gospel. I recently took my kids to uh, Sam's Club. And if you know, they have this marvelous uh, feature on the app called Scan and Go. So you do not ever have to wait in line to check out from Sam's Club. You can just literally scan, 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 and pay it on, on your app. And you can walk out without getting in line at all. I love that app. I love that function. And you know, you ever seen in a barcode, you go to a grocery, you know what happened is it doesn't matter if that, that the, the scan doesn't care what the item is. All it cares is that scan code. If it's scan, it works, then it can be, it can be checked in, it can be uh, purchased, it can be approved. And for many of us, the gospel that we preach is the same way that we tell people there, you can be, you just have this barcode and just scan it and then you get to go to heaven. Without realizing that Jesus doesn't want to be a barcode for us. Jesus wanted to be the master of our life. He wanted to be the king of our life. He wanted us to follow him. Not because he was some tyrant that is power, has a power trip that would demand people to follow him. Though he is worthy. But he did so because he knew that we're designed in a way by him, by the father. And his command comes as a loving way for us to live our lives. You see, God is not so much interested in just giving us a destination in, our, in the gospel. He did not just give us gospel that we can eventually get to heaven. But what God is after is transformation. Let me say it again. The gospel is not just about a destination. The gospel of Jesus is really about transformation. God wants to change you. 
God's wanting to change me so much that because he changed us so radically from inside and out that part of that change involves us not no longer being uh, condemned to hell, but that we be so changed that we get to be with God forever. So God is not just about scanning you at a bargain, getting you to heaven. That is not just the, the, that's not what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about true life transformation, true life change. That's why Jesus said through Paul that the goal of our lives is not to get a ticket to heaven, but to conform. Conform to our King Jesus, to conform to the image of Christ. Isn't that ironic? That we're called to be made in the image of God. And as God gave us the gospel, we're redeemed, we, we, we repent, we believe, and we follow him. God said, now your, your, your life is about becoming the image of my son. Be, again, going back to being the image of God. We're not Jesus. We're not God. But the character of Christ, the life of Christ, are the way that we're meant to live. Both in a vertical way with God and in a horizontal way with one another. We love God and we love one another. That's the life that we are called to live. And the gospel requires us to do both of these things. To tell people of the kingdom of Christ and that he died and resurrected. But we also share with them the response that they need to make a response to repent, believe, and to follow Jesus. So that's what the gospel is about. But that but as we continue to look, this gospel is not meant for you and I to just keep to ourselves. I want to end on this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 21. Here is who we are in Christ. If you have repented, you have believed in the gospel, uh, you have made a commitment to follow Jesus. This is who you are. So pay attention. This is the reason why we are sharing this sermon series with us and equipping us. Here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a new person. You've been transformed. You're not final product. God's continue to transform you. But that process is initiated already. But look at verse 20. Not only are you new in Christ. Hear what it says. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through Jacob. God is making his appeal through Kevin. God is making his appeal to the world through Phyllis, through Hannah, through me, through Carrie, through Ken. God is making his appeal through people like you and me. We are called to be representative of Christ to the world. Think about the 56 point uh, 56 point whatever percent that Phil shared with us about people in Vietnam who have yet to hear about Jesus, who have yet to have a chance to respond to the gospel. We are called to be ambassador representative to those people. We are called to do that for the people in our own lives around us. We're not only made new and we are guaranteed of eternal life. We are, are one, the other part of our identity is that we are ambassadors. Don't ever, ever forget that. This is why we need to, to, to learn and be equipped to share the gospel so that we can be good representatives, good ambassadors for Jesus Christ in this world. And as we wrap up this sermon series, as we wrap up talking about this, here's one thing I want to challenge you, give you a practical example. 
practical way that you can live out opportunity to share the three circles with others. One of the primary ways we've been challenging each one of you, and we continue to pray by the end of this year, calendar year, uh, this calendar year, that you will have a story to tell how you have impacted and shared the gospel to your frank list. We continue to encourage you to be pray faithfully for your family, for your relatives, for your, your acquaintances, for your neighbors, for your coworkers, classmates. Pray for them. Pray that God will move in their hearts so that when the opportunities show up, you get to share the gospel of Jesus with them. Share with your life. Share with words. That's one way that you can do every single day, every environment and arena that you are part of. But not only that, we continue to encourage you. We're entering into our fifth week of praying and going. You look at the, the map right there. We cover a good portion of that grid right there. And, and and someone asked me recently, how what else are we going to do? Are we going to how when are we going to stop? And I I don't really know the answer, but one thing I know is this: we're going to finish this block. Let's move on to the next block. Let's literally cover our whole community in Temple City. Continue to be faithful in praying for them, so that God will start moving in people's hearts. If you've been following with our devotion, we've been learning from John chapter six, right? That we don't change people's hearts. You don't convert people. I don't convert people. Only God does that. That's why I encourage you. Continue to commit once a month. Come on out. Join us. To pray and go among our neighbor. To pray that God will move. God will melt the hearts of those. Who are cold toward him. And one final opportunity. This coming summer that we have. I want to encourage you to participate. Especially those of you who are in high school. And junior high. CCHC is partnering with our church and, and renting our facility to run one of their youth program called Yelp. And it's a youth leadership program. They'll be meeting in our church from the end of June till the end of July um, for four weeks long. And one of the things that we want to do is we want to, in two, two things we want to do, I want to encourage you to participate. One is we're going to commit our whole month of June and also a whole month of July to pray for this program. Ma- many students who will be attending this program will be non-believers. And as they enter and use our facility, we want to be prayerful for the teachers and the coaches that will be helping them. We, we also want to pray that God will open up opportunities for you and I to interact with them, which lead us to the second opportunity. You can really live out three circles and what we talked about before, BLESS, uh, the acronym BLESS, is that we want to encourage you, want to invite you to join every single day during our program on uh, from Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. at our church in our fellowship hall. There won't be any program per se, but it will be just a time to play board games, to interact, to hang out with some of the students. And our hope is that God will give us an opportunity and open doors to get to know them better, but also to see where God, what God is doing in their lives. And if there are people among those students that, that would, are open, spiritually interested in Jesus, we pray that you can be the one that can share the three circles with them, that you can be the one to pray with them to receive Jesus, to f- repent and believe and to follow Jesus. So we don't. We, I, I know that we're I, I, we're not asking you to come every single day, at five to six. But I do want to challenge you, particularly those of you who are high school and below. I encourage you to come at five to six p.m. at church. Come for a short-term mission trip right in our own backyard. 
There are people coming into our church that that don't know Jesus, and you get to be a part of it. So while we don't we don't have to go all halfway around to go go to on a short term mission trip, we can be right here, our own backup in our own church to participate in the mission of God. So I want to challenge you: make it a point once a week to come to get to know the students, to play games with them, to hang out with them, and to pray for them, to keep your spiritual eyes open so that when they show when they show interest, you can prepare to share the gospel with them. Share the three circle with them and how God wants to restore them back in the design that God has for them. You can find more information with your small group leaders or home group uh, as we meet. But I, again, I want to I encourage you to make the most of that opportunity right in our own backyard to be a, a light and salt to those who don't know Jesus. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for being with us. We thank you for the four weeks that we get to talk extensively about the gospel. God, thank you. Thank you that when we put our trust in the gospel, it's not just some doctrines. It's not just some sets of beliefs but it's an act of love by Jesus. The reality of what's been done for broken and lost people like me. So God, I pray that we will respond in worship as we think about the gospel, that we are who we are today because of what Christ has done. God, help us not to stop right there. Help us not to just be thank, thankful to, that we're a new creation. But God, help us, move us, stir us, equip us, mobilize us, every one of us from the youngest to the oldest to live out as ambassador for Jesus right where we are and to the ends of the earth. Lord, thank you for these tools that we've learned. But at the end of the day, these are just tools. Lord, give us a heart to be obedient and faithful to you. God, there's a lost world out there with millions and billions of people who have yet to know you. God, I pray that our hearts will be moved to engage lostness wherever you place us so that the lost can be found, the blind can see, the broken can be healed the far away will be brought back home to know their heavenly father. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus to cast out any lies that we believe in, any excuses that we hold on to that we we feel like we can't do it, Lord. feel like we, we we have an excuse not to do it. God, I pray that you will strike each one of those down. Release us. Send us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to take a moment to respond um, to the word of God by singing uh, Blessed Assurance. And I hope that truly it will be, it will, it will stir you to worship and stir you into action and sharing the gospel.